What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. Guys, five movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasberry. This is Frank Pelican. Tonight, you are listening to episode ninety-two of the Quick Cage, or maybe episode number one of the Continuous Cage, as uh, Nick Cage has a new movie out. And Frank, you watched it this weekend, so you want to tell us about this movie and what you thought? I did. Um, so, opening this past Friday was the unbearable weight of massive talent. Um, stars Nicolas Cage as a fictionalized version of himself, stylized as Nick, N-I-C-K, Cage. Um, also playing a fictionalized version of his younger self um, when filming Wild at Heart, stylized as Nicky Cage, N-I-C-K-Y. Um, also stars uh, Pedro Pascal, uh, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Sharon Horgan, um, David Gordon Green in a very bit role that's really funny. And Neil Patrick Harris. Um, so right off the jump, one of the better Nick Cage movies I've seen in the past couple years of watching all of his movies. Um, I'd put the performance on par with um, Adaptation mm-hmm. in terms of just the level of like humanity and wit and like charm that Nick Cage has in this movie. Um, So the premise is that this alternate reality world where Nick Cage is still basically Nick Cage, but with a slightly different, he's married, he's got an ex-wife who's this um, British lady. They have a child together uh, who's a daughter, which is not at all what happens in the real world, but this is like the Nick Cage of this world. Um, Right, right. No Kal-El in this world. <laughs> yeah, there's no Kal-El. Uh, it's Addie is the name. Or Allie. I can't remember which. One, something like that. Name of his daughter. Um, Addie Cage, yeah. So, it's very similar in terms of, like, how he was maybe four or five years ago. Maybe not even that. Maybe, like, three years ago. Um, still like wild wildly widely popular and well-known because of earlier movies but kind of fallen on hard times where he's not really getting roles that are um have any meaning to him um it's basically that he's just taking roles just to earn money for the most part and he works constantly um he's trying to have a good relationship with his daughter but most of it is ruined by his own ego where he just wants her to do the things that he likes to do and tries to force her to become like a little version of him. Um, so one of the early scenes is them in therapy where uh, the therapist is talking to them together and Nicolas Cage takes over the conversation to talk about how fantastic the cabinet of Dr. Caligari is. Um, so he's auditioning for this role in this David Gordon Green movie, which is like some 
Boston-based like crime movie um, that he doesn't get. So while he's auditioning for that role, um, Neil Patrick Harris, who plays his agent in the movie, <clears throat> offers him this job to earn $1 million um, to basically appear at this guy's uh, birthday party, this rich eccentric guy that he doesn't really know anything about. Um, he's a billionaire. So initially, Cage kind of turns it down, but then when he doesn't get the role in the David Gordon Green movie, he decides to accept it because he's been staying at this hotel, um, has racked up $600,000 in like back rent, and they're about to kick him out. So he decides to take the role. So um, I think, it, I don't remember where it takes place. I think it's in Spain, maybe, or somewhere in Europe. Um, oh, it's, 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 it's Mallorca. He's in Mallorca. So they fly him out there he meets the guy and the guy's this Pedro Pascal character um very nervous very huge Nick Cage fan so they talk and initially Cage is like kind of standoffish about things but then um they start to develop this bond between each other based on their love of like movies and Pedro Pascal's obvious love of Nick Cage as an actor so the subplot is that there's um, this young girl who's the daughter of the president running for uh, shit, um, running for president of wherever Mayork is, and <clears throat> she's been kidnapped as a tool to try and get the guy that's running for president to drop out because he's a reformist and there's these cartels that don't want him to be president, so majority of the movie you're not sure if um pedro pascal is the guy behind the kidnapping or not um so when nick cage lands in mallorca the cia is there and that's tiffany haddish is the cia agent um and they decide to basically take nick cage and turn him into a um kind of a double agent like while he's you know while he's at this man's house that he can like sneak and get information and try and figure out if the daughter is actually there um so pascal and cage bond um they talk about their favorite movies and pascal's are um number one is face off <laughs> and number two is the cabinet of dr caligari and like that's where they're like all you know like excited about each other and then um his number three movie is is, is paddington too and nick cage is like look like i i can respect dr cabinet of dr caligari but but paddington too come on and pedro pascal is like I cried the entire movie and never stopped until the end. It is a masterpiece. <laughs> and then they watch together and Nick Cage is on the couch crying and like, oh my God, this movie is the greatest movie. Um, so just this really great chemistry between the two of them. Uh, they really play well off each other. And there's a lot of genuinely like funny and kind of heartwarming moments. Um, so the CIA figures out there's this one room and there's this really funny scene. It's something like out of, out of Chuck where um they give cage this adhesive that has a like numbing agent in it that can basically it's like a toxin that basically can put somebody to sleep so they want him to investigate the server room um so he puts it on his hand so he can like smack a guard if we come around mm -hmm. and then immediately wipes his face so he has like this numbing agent applied to him so he has to like work against time like as he's like starting to pass out to try and get the antidote and get this information and um 
it's 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 a really funny well done scene yeah. like it, seriously something exactly out of chuck um so they eventually figure out there's this one room where they've never gotten into and that's where they think the girl's being held so nick cage uses his acting abilities um to convince pascal to open up the room for him pascal's like no i've never shown this to anybody before you'll be the first person and so he thinks he's going to find this kidnapped girl and it's basically a shrine to nick cage so it's props from every one of his movies you know it's like the the bunny in the box from um they he actually repeats that line in the the opening quick cage like put the bunny in the box <laughs> um that's there that's and uh the twin guns from face off are there mm-hmm. like attached to this grotesque like character like statue of nick cage um that nick cage tries to buy for twenty thousand dollars and pedro pascal like refuses to sell um yeah just all these props and again another like really heartwarming and funny moment where pascal's just talking about what a because because cage is at the point where he basically just wants to retire like he realizes he has no relationship with his daughter he's not going to get any more roles um there's actually a really funny recurring thing where <clears throat> he'll be sort of like introspective and reflecting and wild at heart nick cage will show up and basically be like you need to snap the fuck out of this man like you you, you need to realize that like we're 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 nick fucking cage and then he's like, yeah, you know, all, all I need is that one role. All I need is one role to come back. It's not not like I ever went anywhere. And then Wilder Hart be like, no, no, no. Not that we ever went anywhere. We've always been here. Um, <laughs> and Wilder Hart, like, Nicky Cage is always convincing, like, older Nick Cage to, like, do stupid things because he's still Nick Cage. So kind of as, like, an explanation to, like, his ridiculous behavior, I think, is that there's still this, you know, like, 21-year-old, like, hotshot actor stud mm-hmm. with, like no limits to his ego like continuously influencing his decisions it's it's a really funny plot yeah, device and it works like cocaine use but um real quick so is so cage is playing the younger K- nicky cage yes yes so how, how does it i mean it's i mean it's it looks funny, it looks exa- it looks exactly like he looks in those you really? know that like that flopped over like uh-huh. kind of longer on one yeah, side yeah, haircut. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's, he's actually got like the wild and hard jacket on like the leather jacket yeah the interview like that like stuff. we actually talked about on the quick cage like where he comes out as like doing karate kicks and shit like with the leather yeah, jacket he's, he, he does karate kicks <laughs> here like it's uh-huh. it's pretty it's pretty fucking okay. amazing like and, and it works really well and it's a really funny like way to show like internal struggle with him while still being like hilarious mm-hmm. like they're driving in a car and he's like yeah you know i'm, I'm gonna retire and spend more time with my daughter and then Nikki cage like punches him in the face it's um <laughs> it's really good so they start to they're bonding with each other and um it turns out that uh javi that's the uh, pedro pascal is javi gutierrez javi's cousin is actually the one that's in charge of the cartel and javi's just kind of like the face for the company that's sort of the money laundering portion of it but he doesn't have anything to do with like the criminal activity so javi's cousin has found out that nick cage has been talking to the cia and tells javi you have to kill nick cage and the cia says because they're convinced that javi is the brains behind the cartel like look you have to kill javi so there's this amazing scene where both of them know they have to kill each other where they're driving out to like this secluded spot where they can like 
because each of them knows they want to do it like away from where they're talking about like the shoes they're wearing and Nick Cage is like oh I really like your shoes and Pedro Pascal is like I don't know I don't really think they work with me he's like oh no 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 you look amazing in those shoes those are really nice shoes he's like oh I think you would look amazing so then they change shoes they're like do we just trade shoes now like is, is that is that what this is happening like we're just gonna swap shoes like yeah we need to swap shoes so um they pull the guns on each other and they realize that they can't shoot each other because they're they love each other like there's like this like brotherly bond that's formed where like they can't harm each other mm-hmm. so then the bad guys come and start shooting at them and at that point it turns into like the most ridiculous nick cage like action movie but with you know like a full like meta awareness of like what's happening um and that's where the scene in the trailer where nick cage like falls over the side of the wall and um pedro pascal just like walks around the wall so they're running away and they're like boost oh no 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 i'm sorry because they go to lunch together and they're convinced that these two old men are following them and they've both done um lsds so they're both tripping which is why like that scene happens it's 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 fucking hilarious like the whole movie is just really well done and very very funny um so in the end there's this um the bad guy has sent for nick cage's estranged his ex-wife and his daughter to be flown over there to hold kind of his like ransom against him um so those two are being held captive um the daughter gets kidnapped eventually with the, uh, the daughter of the president and so Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal go and rescue him. Um, and some really funny scenes. Um, there's a scene where Nick Cage has to recite this monologue that he recited for David Gordon Green earlier, and it throws all the bad guys off and lets Nick Cage. They're always using this thing where it's like, like he's had all this training in like martial arts and stunts and whatever, where like he's always trying to push responsibility off on pedro pascal like no 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 no. you need to run to draw their fire and pedro pascal is like well if you look back to uh fuck, what's the movie he references there he references some movies like if you look back to like wind talkers i think or no it's captain crowley's mandolin it's like if you look back there you did this and then you were running faster than this guy so obviously you're faster than me and nick cage is like yeah it's a very good point i should be the one to go first and so he goes and does it or like they commandeer this jeep to try and get away and nick cage is like you Javi you have to drive and he's like no 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 because remember and gone in 60 seconds you chose to do all your own stunts and like he tells him and Nick Cage's like yeah you're right I'm the one that's gonna drive this jeep <laughs> so ultimately like they're um they rescue the daughter and at the end of the movie um the bad guy has Nick Cage in a headlock with his gun to his head because they're surrounded by police and he's like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna kill Nick Cage and Addie has this knife that had fallen out earlier in the back of the Jeep, and she throws it to Nick Cage, and he catches it and stabs the bad guy. And then it cuts to basically an homage to Get Shorty, where it's like where you see like the movie from the movie's perspective, mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, it does that where they're filming the adventure, like what happened with Javi. Because <laughs> Javi wants Nick Cage, he wrote a screenplay, and he wants Nick Cage to read his screenplay. Um, and help him like he wants him to star in this movie and Nikki cage tells him like no you can't do this indie shit like if you do the indie stuff people are just gonna think you have no value like you have to hold out for the blockbuster he's like yeah because once we get that one blockbuster we'll be back not that we've gone anywhere yeah yeah not not that we've gone anywhere um (laughs) so javi is like the screenwriter of this movie about their adventure together and everyone's happy and together again and in the end you know nick 
Nick Cage is reunited with his ex-wife and his daughter, and they're all, you know, it's a it's a very happy ending. So yeah. just it's a really it's a fun movie. Um, it's very fast paced, um, but still like not it takes time to build these characters without lingering too long on any like individual like scene or idea. Like it just keeps moving things along. Um again, it's one of those things where and I've I know that Nick Cage said in an AMA, I think recently or on an interview that he takes every role he does seriously, but I still legitimately feel like there are Nick Cage performances where you can tell that he's more invested in what he's doing Mm -hmm. um, just because he likes the role better. Sure. And this is one of those things where 100%, um, you know, he's fully invested in what's, what's happening in this movie and the performance um, and he plays himself really with like a, an amazing, like tongue in cheek self-awareness. So it's never, at no point is it mocking Nick Cage. Like it's never, um, never like condescending towards him as a person or his career, but it's very aware of what his career entailed and like the ups and downs of it. So it's actually like it's a really like amazingly nuanced performance by him for being like a comedy um, and definitely engaging and really just, I don't know, just a great movie overall. Yeah, I know that sounds fun. I, <clears throat> I, I made light of it months and months and months ago, like the idea of it, like, but, um, but no, it sounds like a fun movie. And looking into the creators of it, because I didn't know who directed this uh, or anything like that, I, I, I'm somewhat familiar with some of their television work. They then they met each other, I think, like um, probably on the short-lived show called Ghosted um, with, um, oh, what's his name? Craig Robinson and um, Adam Scott uh, that I did watch, like the first season of and it's funny um and they probably met on there but uh the the main writer uh has a long history in um like starting with letterman and like writing for letterman and then like kind of like doing other things like reaper which is very chuck-esque if you remember mm-hmm. that show at all I do. um you know so yeah the, these guys have a good sense of humor to them so um <clears throat> but no that's cool um so do you see this potentially as like some sort of minor turning point again in his career like combine pig and this because even since the we ended the quick cage back late last year it feels like in the five months since that there's been the slow reevaluation leading up to this movie to me that i see online of cage and his career and even more kind of warm feelings towards cage almost um do you think this is that and this like the dramatic role and the comedy role will maybe in the next few years you'll see him start getting more a-list stuff again potentially yeah you know i think that um i think in the grand scheme of like the overall public consciousness that it's definitely pig um, that really kind of like re-legitimized him but I think if you look at his body of work over the past like five or six years it's it's more 
there's more things that are worth looking at than things that are just kind of disposable and um just bad movies you know and even stuff that even things that i don't necessarily think um are very good movies like um willie's willie's wonderland or whatever that movie's called Mm -hmm. you can tell that he thinks that it's a good idea he's into the idea so even stuff that's not like because not every movie is going to be a good movie or you're not going to like every movie that an, an actor does but i think that he believes in he believed in that idea when he made it it wasn't just like a cash grab it was him legitimately like making a movie that he thought would be good and that he enjoyed making and i i I think that's the thing that's going to bring him back and i think movies like this will help to propel him into and really they talk about it in this movie it's funny because it's like it's not so much that he's a bad actor it's just that he takes bad roles so he can keep acting basically and that they they discuss that here like that you know it's just him trying to get like that one role to come back and i think maybe maybe that is sort of what um sort of what's happening right now is that he's just getting offered better roles <clears throat> and beyond that that people are offering better roles to him to make it easier for him to accept good roles mm-hmm. so that you'll start to see where he's maybe turning down like a lot of the direct video crap um because that you know um prisoners prisoner of a ghost land or whatever it's called um terrible movie but sion sio or whatever his name is is a pretty well-respected director so it's not like nick cage was like taking like some shitty you know straight to video like train wreck movie just to earn money like he was legitimately signing to do a role with like a guy that's responsible for some of the better, you know, early like mm-hmm. J-Har stuff. So mm-hmm. um can completely understand like why he would be on board with that. And I, you know, I mean, if you can call it a renaissance for a guy that's been making five to six movies a year continuously for, um, you know, two decades. But. Yeah. yeah. So he has the two this year that's left he has the two um westerns coming out that he signed on to right around the time of pig kind of blowing up critically and then he has renfield next year that we that we've talked briefly about uh since our last discussion of the future of his career renfield has now cast nicholas holt who just got good reviews playing Tolkien um last year he's playing Renfield Cage is playing Dracula and Aquafina is playing a traffic cop and the love interest of um Renfield and Ben Schwartz is playing a mobster mm-hmm. um so definitely a good cast around him in that and I mean for something that's coming out in 2023 it looks like it already has a graphic um like attached mm. to now that might be the uh yeah i'm not sure because i don't think it was based off of anything i think it's an original work um but kirkman is the guy who pitched the original idea so um and chris mckay's directing it so um you know i mean he 
after the Lego Batman movie was successful, you know, they gave him that Tomorrow War, which is a terrible movie, but, um, but uh, you know, he's getting big blockbuster stuff now. So, I mean, I think there's a budget behind this movie. And who knows? I mean, young talent around him and stuff like that is, could be an, another one that kind of blows up on him a little bit, potentially. Because you know he's going to go all out playing Dracula. It also feels like, like looking at some of these movies, he's doing a lot of things with untest, untested or first-time directors or mm-hmm. directors that have kind of been out of the, the public eye for a period of time. So I think that's kind of smart, too. Yeah. Um, well, it gives him, well, it's probably smart, too, because it gives him a little bit of leeway, I would think. Because he's certainly a guy that likes to put his own stamp on things, obviously, like and, and do the character the way he wants to. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we've definitely devoted quite a large portion of our lives over the past couple of years talking about Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I genuinely enjoyed um, doing the quick cage uh, mm-hmm. pretty much consistently, even though <laughs> some terrible some terrible movies in terrible there. movies and some terrible movies in a row which certainly uh we joke about <laughs> but no i i hold and look i mean for all of my like joking it's like i'm firmly invested in nick cage's career um at this point like because of the quick cage like um yeah i'm really happy to um to see him achieving like more like legitimate critical success as well as um and i don't know if any of these things are going to be like super blockbusters or whatever, but at least like, you know, movies that people are talking about and that they want to see. Sure. Um, and again, we'll probably be like super popular on streaming. Oh. Cause I yeah. think pig did really well streaming. Um, it's on Hulu now. I'm pretty sure it's been on Hulu since it came out and it hasn't went away. Like, I don't know if that's a deal with the specific distribution company or something or what, but yeah, it's been around since it came out. Yeah. This actually, that probably would have happened with this movie too, because, um, both Paramount and uh, Warner were bidding to buy this movie mm. and they just ended up losing to uh, Lionsgate or whoever it was that eventually released it. Gotcha. Lionsgate. Mm. Yeah, Lionsgate. Mm. Um, so if they would have ended up on Warner or Paramount, you would have seen it streaming like this weekend probably or if anything like next weekend. But I read an interesting article from... I can't remember who it was. The head of one of the studios who basically said that they're done with the 90-day restriction between when a movie um, is released in theaters and when it can stream, like how it used to be in the old days, that like mm-hmm. basically it looks like the model's going to be more um, 25 days. Okay. So that you'll basically have three weeks of... Uh, Three weeks and then until that Tuesday, it'll have a, you know, exclusivity in the theater and then they'll bring it to the streaming services, which to me makes is to me, that's, that's the model to go with, like, as opposed to always having day and date releases, which ultimately I think hurts movie theaters, um, because you want to keep movie theaters healthy to have some mystique, you know, and some power to a wide release, but not making people wait like you know three to six months before they can stream a movie if they're not comfortable going to the movies or if they prefer to watch it in their own home um and you can still charge you know 
more than a movie 15, price. Yeah, yeah f- fifteen to twenty dollars for a rental within the first few weeks, and then drop that pay- price back down to like six to seven dollars. I mean, you'll still probably make a decent amount of money doing that. Um, yeah, it seems like it would be beneficial to just play it by ear, depending on the movie. I mean, like sure. this this movie made like seven million. It came in fifth this weekend. I saw it made like seven million dollars. Um, and like if this movie continues to trail off and doesn't get enough buzz i mean yeah why not release it 30 days later you know and then it's like or if it did pick up you could like sit there you know what let's do 60 days um and what you could do is easily create i think with these streaming companies metrics like you know of what you have planned out if it makes this much then it goes to 60 days you know i mean it would be very easily have you know, if this, you know, statements like in the contracts for the whole thing, and you could probably, depending on when it gets released, maybe make more money potentially by releasing earlier, depending on what's going on. So, yeah, that's the most business acumen I'll ever, um, maybe, um, produce on any podcast we do. (laughs) Yeah, it's that's that's not a bad idea. Um, if I was a studio, what I would do is I would try to leverage like one company against the others. Um, and every year, like negotiate like exclusive, like first look streaming on certain movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a larger portion of the cost of the streaming, um, especially with a company like Amazon, where they have a streaming service, but it's not necessarily their entire business model isn't built on that. Like, I think you probably have a lot of real flexibility with them um in terms of how much you can get back from the the streaming costs and um just kind of like having a captive audience for your product um and then there's other companies that are you know like anything that's a warner product is going to end up on hbo max and anything that's a depending on what it is that's an abc product is going to end up on hulu or, or not abc um you know disney marvel studios whatever Buena Vista is going to end up on either Disney Plus or Hulu. And I don't know, like, I think that there's, I think there's a lot of money to be made in streaming and the exclusivity. Um, And it's interesting to see Netflix, you know, had a pretty significant loss in their share price this past week um, that people are attributing to Netflix producing too much quote unquote woke content. But really the thing is, is that there's so many other places now that are producing just content in general then you're just not producing too much right i've seen that argument it's producing too much mediocre content is what's right. really going on I mean, it's too much you can't keep track of it like there's things yeah. that are on and, netflix and you can't trust it because they'll cancel it after one season so yeah well, that's why you got to go with the frank model and never watch any television <laughs> right right although hey you know what's you know what's tonight's premiere is right what's that we run this city oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the name is yeah yeah is that tonight I, okay. yeah tonight's the first episode there's only six episodes too so right that's Frank pretty awesome watch it <laughs> still oh, no, i'll definitely it. watch it still haven't watched the most recent season better call Saul yet or secession or secession right yes. right or moon Knight. right I'm, I'm behind i could say something to you right now that would make you i think would make you never watch moon Knight ever and i'm not going to do it though <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to put it in my back pocket for later. Um, <laughs> so you're going to make me watch this shit and it's, it's going to make good. me angry or something? Nah, nah, nah. It's not, 
it would it would no it's not going to make you angry i think you'll enjoy it but if i if i framed it in a specific way i think i get you to never watch it um but is no, it that there's not going to be a second season of it oh i don't i don't know about that at all no I oh i read that oh really yeah i read that um disney is deciding not to do second seasons of hawkeye or the show hawkeye makes perfect sense to me hawkeye doesn't really need a second season right i don't think i mean you're going to use those characters in the movies i think um the hawkeye and black widow whether it's dark avengers or avengers you're going to end up using those characters and echo already has a spinoff series and daredevil will eventually have his own series with kingpin so i mean it doesn't need one i thought it was like the perfect little like holiday romp and that's should be the end of it um moon knight i don't know it depends on how you how you end up like i don't know how that series ends so there's still two episodes left but Right. I mean, I assume he's going to end up on, like, Dark Avengers or something. Sure. When they eventually do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Right. So, if you have the chance to watch this movie, yeah. um, even if you wait for it to come out on streaming, I think it's definitely worth your time. Yeah. Um, and if you're a fan of Nick Cage or you're a fan of comedies, and again, this someone who doesn't like comedies is saying this. <laughs> it's pretty no perfect comedy, and it's definitely worth your time to um to watch so all right what's the what's the score and what's the cage score uh the cage is uh i mean it's a nine out of ten or a ten out of ten like it's legitimately one of the better one of his best performances ever um the movie itself solid 8.5 9 like it's it's close to again one of his best movies of all time um definitely one of the best movies i've seen one of the best comedies i've seen in years and one of the best movies i've seen in the past like six to eight months um if it wasn't for the quick cage this definitely would have shown up on the fresh five for next month um and probably been number one i think just with all the other stuff that then there's some really good stuff on the fresh five for this month this next month but this movie's fantastic and then that might be some like bias on my part just because i'm so i don't don't know whatever you want to say like deeply connected to nick cage now as a performer but Mm -hmm. um i love the direction i really like to see what this guy does next um this team of uh screenwriters something yeah gormican something like that whatever it is yeah uh cool all right well thank you for listening to the uh the the the, the cage comeback and um we'll be back at some point whatever comes first um i forgot about the retirement plan where he plays the beach bum who used to be a mobster or some shit like um that's coming out this year as well so it's either gonna be one of those westerns or that one coming out probably on like hulu streaming since they're so invested in cage so we'll be back with that one i guess yeah thanks for listening everybody deuces